0: Welcome back to another edition of Wimes Bombs. This is episode three, and today we have two guests, which is a twice the amount of guests that I've had in the past. Uh, we, we are joined by longtime uh, Wimes Bombs contributor, Kamal Yichor, and a, uh, a basketball mind that I met on the streets of San Francisco, uh, Mr. Joe Shafstein. Why don't you say hello, everyone? Hello.
1: Good to be here.
0: We're going to talk a little NBA playoffs. I, the Antonio has already wrapped up as it is. Let's let's start with the Western Conference because that's where we all are. So all of a
2: sudden, the Blazers-Clippers series has become the most intriguing series I can remember. Um, and going in, it was probably the series of the eight that I was probably least looking forward to. Really. But yeah, you, 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 maybe you, at least okay. maybe. Spurs
1: Grizzlies is from the beginning was looking like a, a yeah, beatdown sp- that it turned s- into. Spurs so. Grizzlies
0: was pretty bad. There's no Mike Conley. Yeah. yeah. You know, like like I think if you have the power rank of the, the eight going in, Spurs Grizzlies is definitely on the bottom.
2: Well, yeah. it's not like that. I think the Grizzlies they lost pretty much their identity. They're they're a grinding team that's going to pound you, and Marcus Paul is not there. Yeah, no so Zach Randolph can't man plus uh, one. To be honest, after those injuries, they're not even a top 25 team in the league. They're probably a like, high lottery pick. They're probably not good enough to beat the Spurs even when oh, they no. beat you. Yeah. So but,
0: but but <laughs> it, it, was, it was that mid-season addition of
2: Lan- uh, Lance Stevenson
0: coming back oh, yeah. that was able to like,
2: keep Love the Lance. team slow. What do you like about Lance Stevenson? I, I feel like he's overhyped for his versatility well, and... Yeah, so now, I like the Indiana, when he, when Indiana made that run for the one
1: seed, and uh, gave, what, the Heat, that a little bit of a run that year, um, I like the way, you know, he was assisting a lot, make, being a re- really good playmaker for them. And he defended that so year. well. Yeah, defended, but, you know, even that year, Paul George was huge, but, I mean, Lance Stevenson was handling the ball a lot, especially for the second unit there, he was pretty big for them that season, so I... I liked his game that year. I mean, it really fell off and went to Charlotte, and then yeah, this year, and he, he, he like forgot know. how to make a shot. Like, yeah, I, I mean, know. that really hurt him too. I like, mean, maybe there's a little bit of sh- good shooting luck that year because he hit three pointers at a pretty. I think in the upper thirty percent's that year. So,
0: what actually happened? Why isn't he being, <laughs> being there? <laughs>
1: Steph Curry, and Chris Paul are injured, and we're talking about last <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Yeah, Steph
0: Curry, uh, Blake Griffin, mean, yeah. Chris
1: Paul. Yeah. What more can you say about that, though? I mean, it really, I, I know you were saying, Kamal, that the Blazers Clippers series is now intriguing for you, but to me, it just feels like maybe if the Blazers win, it'll be interesting, but if I'm watching Warriors Clippers with no Chris Paul and no Steph Curry, I'm just going to be more depressed than anything. So, so, right, so not so, sure I'm even so, really looking so forward to so
0: that. So, the, the Blazers Clippers series is interesting because we get a great case of the hack strategy while it's still allowed in the NBA. You know, yeah. this is going to be one of the last years when, like, DeAndre Jordan and Mason Plumlee get hacked like crazy, and you're allowed you're allowed to do this without, like, technical fouls or allowing J.J. Reddick to shoot the free throws. You know.
1: Gonna have to, gonna have to DVR that. I'm gonna keep it for We've the history books somehow.
2: So, yeah. you know, there's a really interesting strategy. I mean, people have talked about the strategy ad nauseum, right? But... DeAndre Jordan recently has been even worse, if that's possible. at, at yeah. throws, right? And it's gotten so bad that Doc Rivers used to let him out there, let him fight through it, and over the course of a game, he might go, what, maybe 10 for 25, whatever, that's fine, right? Mm-hmm. But when you start airballing the first four free throws that you have in a game, like he did uh, in game four, that completely changes the dynamic of the game. Um, so the Clippers, I think, are an interesting case because they're mentally weak. Uh, no one is really scared of ever playing the Clippers, but it's because they have this, this weird phenomenon of too many cooks in the kitchen, and no one really feels the need to have ownership and step up. I, you know, take a guy like Paul Pierce. Who's to say Paul Pierce doesn't you know, rekindle his old playoff form, and now that he knows he's needed, actually takes more shots than you normally would, plays more minutes, and is actually very successful in that role? I agree with you to some degree. I, I kind of take issue a little bit with the mentally weak thing for the, the Clippers,
1: right? I mean, I know the, the fall, you know, to the Rockets after 3-1, that was pretty epic and pretty terrible. But we're still talking about a team that left it all on the court to beat the Spurs. You know, a team coming off pretty dominant season before to win a title. And then they have an epic seven-game series where the Clippers have to go on the road to San
2: Antonio in Game 6 and win. I don't know if you can call that team mentally weak. Give you the Spurs win. At the same time, I think there's so many pieces on the Clippers with a lot of experience that we're not really getting their opportunities to play meaningful man or shine. For so example, who? Yeah, Josh Smith. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he's not even on the Clippers. But the the uh, another name that comes to mind, Jamal Crawford, who's Sixth Man of the Year, right? Jamal Crawford, when he gets. Fifteen shots a game is deadly. When Jamal Crawford has to, you know, play a point guard and extend his stretches against Damian Lillard, that's a completely different story, and he'll get exposed both on offense and defense. That Austin Rivers coming in
1: and for Chris Paul, that that drop off in that matchup against Damian Lillard, maybe defensively he can stack up a little bit, but I mean, d- 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 Damian Lillard's
0: not like. Uh, a Chris Paul defender. Let's oh, no, play. yeah. Damian
1: Lillard, I mean, I don't know about this year, but I know previously he was one of the worst. I, mean, I don't know he's been this year, but Austin Rivers will be able to score, I guess. I just I just worry about Austin Rivers and the other things that Austin Rivers tends to do when he has the ball a lot of times. So. Yeah,
2: I'm not really worried about the Clippers offensively. They have Jeff Green who can step up, Who's who's proven in the past he can shoulder more of a scoring burden. JJ Reddick gets more shots. I don't think that's bad for the Clippers, given their their shot selection. When Jeff they're... Green. I mean,
1: we're talking Jeff Green and Austin Rivers, who they can score. But we're talking. You need to score efficiently? I don't. I don't think Jeff Green is is your answer in the playoffs, right? I mean, uh, even against the Blazers, I still. am not. I'm not going to be confident with Jeff Green leading your your scoring, or as as you're trying to replace Chris Paul in his efficient scoring.
0: Okay, question. How? how... Okay, has a player
1: ever had the amount
0: of a fall from grace from one season to another that Blake Griffin has from the playoffs
1: last year to the playoffs this year? Yeah, just taking Tim Duncan pretty much one-on-one and beating him in a seven-game series to this year when you feel like you're punching his friend and now you don't even hear about him anymore. Yeah, that, That's a good question.
2: So did you guys know that DeAndre Jordan has the, the best field goal percentage in NBA history? <laughs> when I saw that, I'm like, how is this right? And then I thought about it. So he has a 67% career field goal percentage. I thought about this. It's all dunks. I'm actually amazed. Yeah,
1: I mean, he dunks. misses two-thirds of his dunks layups of his and layups. He a dunks, third of his dunks, which is unbelievable.
2: Like, how does a guy who only
1: dunks miss a third of his dunks?
0: What is your prediction for the uh, the rest of this series between the Clippers and the Blazers? I, li- I like the Clippers in seven.
2: I like the Clippers in seven as well. And, and the reason is... I think the Clippers have players who can step up who haven't stepped up yet. Paul Pierce comes to mind immediately. And the Blazers, I feel, are overachieving. There are guys on the Blazers who are having career games in the games they've won. Al Farouk Mason Plumlee. Mason
0: Pumley had twenty 20-8. And,
2: and I'm not sure that they can sustain that over the next three games in playoff basketball that these players probably haven't experienced the, the grind of the pressure of winning game six on the road, for example. Yeah, yeah, not seven. No. Yeah, I would...
1: I would tend to agree I think Blake Griffin I think they show I I don't recall if it was last season or the year before when Chris Paul was out for a couple weeks and everybody thought the Clippers were going to fall apart and Blake Griffin kind of took it on no he hasn't had quite that season but I still think maybe trying to work a little bit more around Blake Griffin at least in this series the Clippers will be able to figure it out but Blake Griffin's out for the
2: series too wait he wait what oh yeah Blake Griffin tore his quad when did that happen same game Same game. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Wait, all I heard about was Chris Paul. I didn't even hear anything about. Oh Blake yeah, Christian. Blake Griffin's out for the playoffs. Oh, they're screwed. I'm going Blazers. <laughs> 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 yes. Wow, that's bad. I did not realize that.
0: All right, moving on. Uh, <laughs> Oklahoma City, Dallas. What are your thoughts on this?
2: So the Thunder winning four-one, I don't think is a surprise to anyone. Uh, Rick Carlisle was a great coach. Okay,
0: I don't know about you guys, but I'm still bitter that Larry Brown stole a championship title from Rick Carlisle.
2: Me too. And I, I was living in Detroit at the time that happened, and Rick Carlisle essentially built the identity of that squad. Right? He took it yeah, from yeah, he, thirty-two he, and fifty his first year to fifty-two and thirty his, his second year. At the end of the day, you know, Larry Brown was the guy who got them that championship.
1: Uh.
0: Warriors and uh, Rockets? The Rockets don't have a chance, right?
2: Well, Jason Terry guaranteed that they would win Game 5. Yeah, oh, so. oh, oh, did he? Yeah. Draymond's putting up a
1: triple-double, and the Rockets will lose by 20.
0: If you if you traded Sean Livingston for um, Austin Austin Rivers, how, how did the series change this?
2: Ooh. I think the Warriors still win, because... They can marginalize the role of that of that spot as much as they need to, right? For example, yeah. Leandro Barbosa is not the best defensive guard, and Draymond Green, Barnes, Iguodala, those guys will step up.
0: Those guys, those those guys are some of the best defensively at their respective positions.
2: They can switch anything too, which yeah. is which is important. And, and Houston is extremely one dimensional. Is It's either uh, Harden trying to get fouled on on some BS foul or kicking out for a three. Mm -hmm. That move
1: would help the Clippers more than it would hurt the Warriors, right? I mean, it probably makes the series, maybe gets the Clippers an extra win that they wouldn't otherwise have gotten, but maybe not even that, right? But it, it would be, but yeah, I think ultimately it still ends tonight in Oracle, or in Oracle.
0: And we have, uh, we have an interesting Heat-Hornets game going on as we speak.
1: What, so, I got a question. So, what do you think is affecting the Heat so much, right? I mean, putting up the record pace. I know some of the just shots fall, but that's just such a, such a different look to that series. After well,
2: this. so, when you're an when you're NBA defense, you scheme to take away their best option, and you train your guys to rotate um, and be prepared for that second best option, right? When you're playing the Miami Heat, you're not banking on Luol Deng making 70% of his three-pointers through the first two games, right? That's what, that's what happened.
0: What impressed me the most in this series has been, been Kemba Walker. He's really uh, put himself into the, into the conversation for a top five point guard in the NBA.
2: Oh, I disagree with that. Really Kemba, Walker, Kemba Walker' biggest challenge in the NBA is shot selection. I think Kemba Walker comes from a mold of, of that score-first point guard that believes that his mid-range jumper is unstoppable. And he I still see him pull up for mid-range jump shots. That just He's not hitting it nearly the rate he should be for how often he takes that shot. And that torpedoes the, the Hornets in the sense that sometimes they get bogged down in their offense. When Alec Jefferson is getting the ball in the post and he's trying to don't work a big man and try to use his litany of offensive moves, if that doesn't work out, then Kemba's just chucking at the end of shot clocks, and then they lose their offensive rhythm entirely.
0: Or or is it the fact that um, Whiteside is actually growing defensively and not jumping on the Al, Al Jefferson uh, pumps and, and face and everything, so Jefferson's forced to kick it out, and Kemba's there to, to take the last shot. Yeah. I'm
2: glad you said that, because to me, that is the biggest key in this entire series. If So, I don't know if you've watched any of this series, Mike, but in the first quarter, the Hornets' entire strategy in every game of the series has been drop it at Jefferson down low, have him try to get Whiteside in foul trouble. When Whiteside's in foul trouble, then the Heat's defense, er, defense crumbles entirely, because they rely so much on, on his help on, on the weak side, that the Hornets have their entire offensive arsenal that they can run. But when Whiteside is staying disciplined and not getting in early foul trouble, he affects the game more than any center I've seen, in, in maybe since Ben Wallace, right? Well, what about Rudy Gobert? Well, okay. I mean, there are guys out there that are yeah. as talented as Whiteside. Um,
0: With their rim protection.
2: Yeah, there there have been a lot of guys to do that well, but we're talking in the playoffs. I haven't seen Rudy Gobert do that for a series. Well, Rudy, Rudy yeah. Gobert
0: needs to get into the playoffs first before he
1: can. <laughs> I think before the series, I had Heat in six. I think I'm still probably going to stick with that. I don't at this point. Heat are still up five right now. A couple minutes into the fourth quarter. Don't really. I don't know. I just I don't believe enough in. Jeremy Lynn staying hot off the bench for the for the Hornets and giving them I, I I hope it happens, but I just I don't see that consistently happening throughout the rest of the series for them to, to pull it out. And I think D Wade D was cold, at least in game game four, it wasn't as hot. I think he'll put it pick it back up and he'll win. Close it out.
2: I got Hornets and six. Buzz City, baby. I think that Charlotte is a very balanced team and they can do things on defense that will frustrate the, heat. to be honest, if the Hornets don't play Batum, cause he's clearly hurt and not the same player he was in the regular season. I think they have a better chance than if they let Batum slog through minutes out there. I think what Batum being out does is it gives them a chance to play Frank Kaminsky. And I'm not a, a huge fan of Frank Kaminsky, but he can stretch, stretch the floor Bring Whiteside out from his comfort zone, and that opens up so many lanes for for guys to cut and slash and make moves. Marvin Williams open in the corner, Courtney Lee on those mid range shots, or even out in the corner. I think, I think Charlotte pulls it off and, and gets a huge win at home, Game Six for the first playoff series win under Michael Jordan's ownership. So are you are you saying they're
1: going to go into Miami and win win tonight? Is that?
2: Yeah, I think they're going to going to
1: pull us off in Miami
0: tonight. So I I, I, I think Charlotte's going to take it to seven, and I do th- and I do think that the Miami is primed for an upset in Game Seven. You know, this is this is not the same team that uh, we we saw in 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 the the regular season. You know, Chris Chris, Chris Bosh is, is is not playing. You've got. I just don't know if the the they're, they're, they're going to be deep enough to handle the uh, Hornets in in stretches. I mean, if this series goes three two,
2: Charlotte has a great playoff atmosphere. I was not surprised when I turned that game on. No, I did. I will. I will give it that. But okay. I mean, Charlotte's a sports town that's reawakening, man. Especially after the Panthers' recent success.
0: North Carolina, come on and raise up!
1: Right, I mean, uh, I like the Hornets. I am I'm down with them winning. Like those Buzz City jerseys. Buzz City! Buzz City. All right. Uh, Cleveland Detroit. The sweep. Yeah, I mean, seemed like all those. I mean, I was watching most of the most of those games, and it, it just it just looks like the games were close. You know, Reggie Jackson, you know, was pretty good through most of it. I mean, some questionable decision making, especially at the end of that game four sweep. Not to just. Take the ball to the rim and try to try to tie it up to get it to overtime. But yeah, I mean, I think the Pistons did about what you would expect. I I thought they'd get a game or two out of it because they played the the Cavs so well during the regular season. But you know, Kevin Love and, and Tristan Thompson did a did a good job of not allowing Drummond to really just dominate on the boards. I think he was I, most of the games I saw he was in the you know about ten to ten to thirteen rebounds with Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson about you know having Similar numbers each individually, so.
2: But all the games are very close except game one. I think the Pistons actually had a chance down the stretch in three of the four, and yeah. they have some young, intriguing pieces. I think Stan Van Gundy is starting to put his his imprint on this team, and the team reminds me a lot, at least in pieces, of what they had with that Jameer Nelson, Dwight Howard team with uh, Reggie Jackson. I think is better than Jameer Nelson offensively. Yeah. Reggie Jackson might have been the the third best player in that, that series. Um. after Kyrie and Kevin Love. I don't think LeBron James played well at all in this series. I don't know. Uh, honestly, he, he was just saving it for, for probably later series when he played more. But I think Reggie Jackson was by far the best player on the Pistons, and he played extremely well. And it almost seemed like it was him or nothing. I think Reggie Jackson versus Kemba Walker is a debate. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah.
0: I, don't- I, I think there's a big gap between them, but... That's uh, you, you you can take you can take Reggie and I'll take Kemba and we'll see who wins.
1: <laughs> More towards Reggie on that all on right. that side. All right. Um, I think was I think it was impressive in that Cavs series. I think he was pretty good. All right. Um.
0: So we got two two game sixes tomorrow for the for the Eastern Conference. wrapped uh,
1: Pacers. This was the series before I wanted I wanted to go Indiana in seven. To, to give it to them over the Raptors. But in the end, they end up going Raptors. I think they're pretty evenly matched. They seem to... The Raptors just so heavily reliant on their... I don't really know what type of offense. It seems like a lot of DeMar DeRozan is their offense. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I just think the Raptors will win just because at this point they're a better team. I... The
0: Raptors have, they have more talent than, than, than the Pacers. They just have more... They have more scores. They have a deeper bench. They can uh, do the, the They can do more things on the wings. The, the only but they don't have more hills. The Pacers have three. <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> well, the, yeah. the the Pacers do have three hills, which makes watching got, they which they makes Jordan watching them too? infuriating. Yeah, they do. The, the the Raptors should 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 win. They Lowry going into um, psycho mode and just not being denied moving on to to the second round. Uh, Celtics Hawks.
2: I think the Hawks take in six. I, I think Boston's a very well coached team. Um, I think I think the Hawks are just too balanced. They the Hawks have a roster. Remember that was is very close to the one that had the best record in the East last year, you know. Um, I think both Horford and Millsap are healthy right now, and you're seeing the difference that can make. And I just don't think the Celtics, given how inexperienced and small they tend to play, have the defensive capabilities to stop that Hawks offense when, when they're rolling. We know Isaiah Thomas is not the best defensive point guard, and when he's playing meaningful minutes, Jeff Teague, really can take advantage of him. And Jeff Teague is not the most skilled point guard, but very underrated. And Dennis Schroeder is just extremely fast. And sometimes they tend to play them together. I, I just, I, I, don't think the, the Celtics can beat the Hawks.
0: Where do you rank Jeff Teague in our debate between uh, Kemba Walker and Reggie Jackson?
2: In upside, he's probably third. But if I wanted a point guard for the rest of the playoffs... I, I think it's close between Teague and um, Reggie Jackson. I think I
1: go. I think I I'd, I'd go Jeff Teague. Just like you said, I think th- if I want to guy to start tomorrow, I'm going to try picking Jeff Teague of those of those three.
2: All Jeff right. Teague has, has very few weaknesses in this game. I, I don't ever recall saying, "Oh, this the Hawks lost this game because of Jeff Teague." I think uh, the yeah. Hornets have lost many games because of Kemba Walker having a bad game.
1: Yeah. But part of that is system, right? I mean, the the Hawks have other players I, I, I know I guess the Hornets have Al Jefferson, but the way that the Hawks play, it's not gonna be on Jeff Teague to win them games. The Hornets yeah, do put he, the ball in Kemba Walker's hands. He he,
0: he not yeah. shot. J- J- Jeff Teague's not the score for first point point guard that you need. He's not <laughs> a, a, a a- anywhere like a Russell Westbrook kind of player, I- I- and and I'm also inclined to to say uh, uh, Atlanta in six. I th- I think the Celtics have overachieved to get two wins against again against this Hawks team. That other than swapping out Tiago, split for De- Demari Carroll, won sixty games
1: last year. So that's yeah. I mean, I mean Demare- Carroll was pretty great for them last year. I don't want to. I don't want to undersell him, but yeah, that's and he's pretty,
0: that's and he's crazy. coming back and he's healthy for Toronto. Watch out,
2: <laughs> the LeBron stopper, the LeBron yeah.
0: stopper. Hopefully, I, we'll see that. I'm gonna
2: I'm gonna come out here with the, with the hot take. I'm I'm taking the Hawks over the Cavs. Oh come on, come on, really? I haven't seen that. In in how many games? That's oh, probably gonna be six or seven. I I okay. just haven't seen that next level that the Cavs need. I think they've just been sleepwalking through the majority of the season. But that, I mean, I think LeBron has
1: mastered the sleepwalking through the regular season, sleepwalk through the Eastern Conference playoffs, then get punched by the West in the finals. I think he, I think he knows how to do that, and I think
2: it's going to happen again. This I think Buds is, is a great coach that doesn't get his respect, and he he's going to learn from last year's series when they lost to the Cavs. I think he's going to have some tricks up his sleeve
0: vehemently disagree with you. I think Cleveland is going to win in maybe five games. It won't even go six. We do have one series that is set in stone, and that is uh, Spurs-Thunder. Any uh, predictions or thoughts on that?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm... I think that's going to be... I mean, at this point now, looking at what's happening on the other side with the Warriors and the Clippers, that's going to be the, the series to really watch in the second round. So, I'm excited for that. Thinking... I mean, looking like the Spurs, at least from my opinion, will be able to stop. I, I think the Spurs will take them out in six. is my Is my uh, prediction there? I think they'll go into Oklahoma City and win that. I think Kawhi Leonard will be able to do enough. I, I think he's shown that consistently. He can play play defense and stop the Kevin Durant, or at least you know slow down the Kevin Durant. and yeah, LeBron James, yeah. Curry still can put him on skates a little bit, but. I think those guys he, he's able to match up well with, and I think the Spurs will end up knocking him out. I think Russell Westbrook. I think he's been great, but I, I think in the end he'll he'll try to take over a little bit too much and maybe take some shots away from Kevin Durant that maybe should go to Kevin Durant, and that'll end up probably costing OKC. Okay, so yeah, I think the Spurs will win that series.
0: I like the I like the Thunder in seven.
2: Uh, Me too. I got uh, the Thunder in seven.
0: I I like the I li- I, I like the the, the matchup of. of Russell Westbrook against the guards of uh, San Antonio. I like Cameron Payne. I've all, I've always liked like Camryn Payne coming off the bench, and seems like they were really saving him f- for the the, the playoffs. I, th- I think that allows them to have some some um, consistency in their uh, their second unit. And I think the big X factor matchup is going to be uh, Ibaka versus yeah Aldridge. Yeah, so that's gonna be uh, wh- whoever can can can, uh, can be there, the the force defensively. There is is, is going to be is going to really set the tone. Like this Spurs this Spurs team has been one of the best def- defensive regular yeah. season teams ever. But I think this Oklahoma City team has enough firepower. They have two
1: of the best five players in the NBA. That defensive standpoint and. I think Pop. I mean, I think Pop will out-coach Billy Donovan in That's a series. good X factor, I, actually. I, I don't. Think that's, that that's a good, good point. Credit. I don't think Billy Donovan's going to go in and beat Popovich in his first playoff series. That's against a good
0: point, actually. <laughs> that may be the X factor. going to be ballsy and not take the Spurs, but it, 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 if if the Spurs do do win, it's it's totally
1: Pop. <laughs> I mean, I still think that the Scott Brooks upset of Popovich now back in, what was it, 20, was that 2011? Now looking just like a huge, huge upset, or just all players just blitzing the Spurs, but who would have thought? Maybe Washington has a bright future.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Any thoughts on the awards, the uh, MVPs, Coach of the Year's? I
1: was a little disappointed in six-man, again, going
2: to Jamal Crawford.
1: Yeah, me too. I don't
2: think the defensive side of of that is considered as much as it needs to be. I don't think that the six-man award should be who can score the most off the bench. I think the six-man award should be given for the best non-starter in the NBA.
1: It's, it's just a disappointment that it always seems to go back to who's the highest scorer coming off the bench. And kind of the same thing with most improved. I, I know you mentioned McCollum, yeah. and he did improve this year. But again, that most improved just so many times just goes back to which player saw a bump in, in minutes? And that's just default. Who's gonna, if you saw a bump in your minutes and your, your scoring went up and you're a, somewhat of a high-profile you know, sophomore, you oftentimes get that most improved. And just seems to be, again, it's just kind of an easy way out. That said, though,
2: I think CJ McCollum was the most improved player.
0: Get extra minutes than, than they did in, in, a, in a previous season. Not, not all the players actually take advantage of them. And result in more, more scoring, more usage, more e- more efficiency more uh, and more wins wins for the team so teams are playing guys to win the games right unless you're Philadelphia or like byron
1: Scott I, I, true, but we're talking if we're going to get most improved I mean his his underlying proportions did not really you know his advanced shooting stats did not really improve they improved by like a percentage. I don't think that's enough to really give a Most improved award to it. I mean, I agree. Maybe maybe McCollum does deserve it, but I, I just think sometimes in, in that case, it seems like his, his counting numbers went up a lot more than his efficiency or shooting numbers actually did. So.
0: What's up with Steve Kerr winning Coach of the Year? Anyone, any cool. comments on that? Yeah, I mean,
2: it, I, I, mean I think they're they, kind of okay with it. The, I think they went for the 73. Yeah, yeah I think you uh, asked the architect, right?
0: But, but, but he also only had, like, 34 32? wins. 32? Yeah, 30, I think, what uh, wasn't, uh, yeah. Like, like, he had, like, one, I saw, like, the tweet, he had one more win than George Carl or something.
2: Well, okay, I think this is one of the hardest awards to give out every year, because it depends on how you value uh, a coaching job, right? Is it doing the most with the least? Then you gotta give it to Terry Stotts and Portland. Is it... Improving your team by a lot, maybe Steve Clifford and Charlotte, right? I don't. But if you want, in terms of like a good, you you can't say that Steve Kerr wasn't one of the best coaches this season. I, I think that's it's ridiculous to refute that. But mm-hmm. does he deserve the award for best coach in the NBA this season? I don't know. I'm not sure.
0: I I have a random story, real quick. I I was I was I was sitting in like a waiting a waiting room today. I opened a GQ magazine. There was a picture of Carmelo Anthony, and they called Carmelo Anthony one of the most underrated players in the NBA. But he's now uh, looks like an owner with his style.
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean, I yeah, Carmelo, great, great scorer. I just I don't know how you could call him one of the more underrated players in the NBA. I think he's about properly rated at this point.
0: like, l- l- like underrated in what metric?
2: How? yeah that's maybe maybe forgotten (laughs) (laughs) i don't know about under that's what happens when
1: you haven't made the playoffs in city did they win yeah i saw seeing something about another courtney lee big offensive
2: rebound so so i I think kemba walker drove in the lane with like four seconds left was short on his mid-range currently
1: he got a huge offense rebound alright so it's funny that he was short on a mid-range after your talk about Kemba earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> Bud City! <laughs> alright
0: uh, congratulations Steve Clifford one of the uh, uh, top rising coaches in the NBA uh, we'll, we'll be back for uh, the next round of, of the playoffs and be able to talk more then